A very good morning to every single one of you who has come here today. And I want to greet those who are following us on television, on Facebook or other social media channels, wherever you are. I want to greet you in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today we want to um, study a very, very important subject. My subject today is live from the source of abundance. And I want to read, uh, to start with the, with the message with, uh, from the book of John, chapter 7, verse 37. The Bible reads here, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus says, the thief comes, does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And Colossians, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much that you have allowed us to have this precious time once again where we can be able to study your word, listen to your word. Lord, make a decision to put your word into practice in our own life. And Lord, that is my desire, and I know this is your desire. Lord Jesus, I pray, may you bless each and every one of us as we are listening and help us not just to hear, but to be able to understand and put your word into practice. We give you thanks, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus told us of a story of a, a master or a father who was preparing for a, for a wedding feast. And then he invited uh, people to come people from near and far. And when finally the wedding feast came, probably some time afterwards, uh, he found that the people who were invited did not turn up. So he was puzzled. What has happened? Why did the people not come? And the, the Bible explains that somebody went to, you know, test his oxen, somebody bought a field, somebody did this. important to do an excuse, everybody had something seemingly more important to do than to come and celebrate with the master who had invited them for that particular day. This is the problem that God has. He has prepared so much for us and then it seems there are no takers. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth, you know, he prepared everything beautiful and wonderful well, and he made sure that he had the source of abundance available for the human beings that he created in his image and likeness. Because he desired to share of his life. He desired, desired to share of the gifts that he has in abundance. He desired to let us participate in everything that is in him because he made us to be part of his own family. He made us to be children of the Most High. And yet, what happened to this man who was inviting for a wedding was happening to God as well. He erected so many trees. You know, he brought so many blessings into the Garden of Eden. But the tree of life, which was central to everything, was shunned. Adam and Eve did not come to that tree 
they did not eat from that tree. Rather, they would go and eat from the tree that God said, do not eat from that, because when you eat from it, you will surely die. So, you know, what this man who invited for a wedding experience, that he invited people and then they did not turn up, it must have been very, very painful for him and he told his servants, go out and whoever you find, bring them in. Because he didn't want to celebrate this very important day without others who were supposed to be blessed by it. And when God erected the tree of life, you know, that was a symbol of the source of all that is in God, the source of all abundance. And yet the people that he created, that he put into the garden, did not come, did not take any of it. And because they took of the other tree, which is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, evil came into man's life. And because evil came in man's life, sin came in, into man's life, that's why there was the barrier that did not allow man to stay in that beautiful garden that God had created for them. So what we must understand is that God is not stingy. Actually, he wants to share of his resources, of his greatness, of his fullness. And yet, <clears throat> there are so few takers today. As it has happened, even in the Garden of Eden, as has happened throughout history, it is still true today. You know, we want a lot of things, but we don't want to you know, engage the very source of life the very tree of life. And you know, the tree of life is Christ. We see this in so many different scriptures. So Christ was waiting to pour out the riches of God into the lives of Adam and Eve, but they never came. So, so many times the same, same thing happens today. You know, while we may be here and, you know, ready and willing to study the word of God, there are many, many, many more that are indifferent to what God has for them. That are rather celebrating something else or maybe they have a hangover from last night or whatever it is, you know, because they are looking for different things. Just like Adam and Eve got so busy exploring the tree of knowledge of good and evil which brought them only death. The same thing is happening today. We see it all around us. And so today, I want to take a bit of time to study what it means to live from the source of abundance. Because one thing we must understand is that God has a deep desire to give us of his abundance. He is not stingy, he, wants, he doesn't want to keep to himself what he has. He wants to share it as far and as wide as he possibly can. And that's why it is important for us that we find the accurate source that is going to determine our life, the accurate source of abundance. The examples that I've given you from the book of uh, Genesis are very clear. And uh, when you go back to the book of Revelation, you'll find the same tree of life there once again. So, you know, we find it in the beginning, we find it in the end, and Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end. Then we know Jesus is the one who was waiting at the beginning and people didn't come. And he is still waiting today. When he came into this world, he was calling people to come to him and receive life. And in John chapter 4 and verse 13, we read, everyone who drinks this water, that was the water on the well where he was sitting with, when this woman came, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him becomes a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus said, I'm the source. 
Okay, come to me, drink from that water. You, you won't have uh, that emptiness again in your life. And of course, he used natural water as an example, but what he is really talking about is that life that comes from God eternal, you know, from the fullness of the Almighty. And God desires that we come and honor him by taking part of what he has offered to us. You know, I mean, uh, how would you feel if you have got a very important visitor to come, and when the visitor come, you, 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 you know, you prepare a very, very good gift uh, for that visitor, and then when the visitor comes, he looks at your gift and he says, ah, no, I don't want this. How would you feel? I'm sure you would feel very bad, isn't it? And that's how God is, uh, you know, feeling. Because God has emotions, just like you and me. After all, where did we get our emotions from? We got it from God. Okay? So God has emotions, and if we reject what he has prepared for us, of course it, it, it troubles him. He's sad. He could even be angry. So God prepared abundance and it was presence in the Garden of Eden, you know, it was uh, so wonderfully prepared. But because man did not want to really access the best gift that God had prepared, that was the flow from the, from the accurate, you know, source of, of, of all life, that is the tree of life. That's why eventually they even lost the garden and they had to go outside and the, the ground was cursed on their behalf because they disobeyed God. They used their freedom, yes, but they used their freedom very uh, irresponsibly. And of course, when we have freedom, we become responsible and we become accountable. And God had to take them to account and he had to to bar the entrance to the, to the Garden of Eden that we call paradise, and they had no more access to the tree of life. But it was a sad day, not only for Adam and Eve, it was even more sad for the Creator, our God himself. Because there he was, having prepared something wonderful, something beautiful, and the people that he created rejected it. And isn't that the same even today? You know, we have good news, we are hearing the good news, we are preaching the good news, and only few are able to respond to it. You know, Jesus said there is a, there's a road that is white, and it leads to destruction. And many, many travel on this road. But there is a narrow gate, and only few are willing to enter into it. But those who enter into it, they find eternal life. And so I want you to understand, you know, we are very, very privileged that we can be together, that we can study the scriptures, that we can find the source of abundant life. I've been reading, because that is what Jesus has come for. You know, as we have been reading, he said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly, okay? Not just in trickles, not just in drops, but God wants us to have life in abundance. And you know, even so, we are children of God, we are born again, often we don't live from that abundance. We are just living from the crumbs that fall from the table and we are saying, oh, maybe that is enough. No, it should not be enough. We should live from the abundance that God has prepared for us. Remember, there was this woman that came to the well on one afternoon or one, you know, noon time because she was isolated. She was an isolated woman. She didn't want to have anything to do with the other people in the village because, you know, probably she was she was rejected. She was not living a good life. And uh, of course, she didn't want to be 
uh, you know, laughed at or, or accused at from by, by the others. So she came at a time when nobody would usually, usually go and draw water. And when she came on that particular day to the well, the well of Jacob, she found a man sitting there on the well. And that man was Jesus. And uh, Jesus was beginning to talk to her and she was very surprised because normally Jews would not talk to Samaritans. So she was even saying, how is it that you, a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan woman for that matter? But you know, Jesus had the desire to let this woman find the accurate source of life. He wanted her to experience the abundant life of God. Because for God, it doesn't matter where you came material. For God, it doesn't matter what tribe you belong to, what nation you belong to. That is immaterial because God created us all. Okay? Of course, the, the Jewish people, they were very segregative. You know, they misunderstood the call of God to Abraham because Abraham was given a promise that in you and through you all the nations of the world shall be blessed. And of course the people interpreted it, you know, we are the blessed ones and that's it, you know. But actually they were supposed to go out and embrace every other nation, every other tribe, every other tongue and be a blessing to them. But that's not how they understood it. They thought we are the better ones, we are the good ones and God only has chosen us as his darlings and uh, they forgot about the others. How sad. But this woman, she was beginning a conversation with Jesus or the other way around better. You know, Jesus began a conversation with this woman and he says, give me some of your water. And uh, you know, out of that came a discussion and uh, you know, Jesus said, if you knew who you're talking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Living water. And of course, this woman was, was sarcastic. He said, how are you, you going to draw water here? This is deep. This well is very deep. You don't even have a bucket or anything. And of course, Jesus pointed her to the accurate source of abundant life and that was he himself and so Jesus began to talk to her actually he gave her that water by speaking to her by pointing out things in her life and she began to drink not in the literal sense with a cup but she was drinking in her heart and in her, in her soul the words of the Lord Jesus it was and as these words were touching her she found it was having a transformative effect on her, on her life. And there came a point in that uh, discussion, there came a point in that, uh, that relationship when they were talking about the eternal life, the, the source of all life, the source of abundant life, that this woman said, wow, I, I need to tell my, my friends in the village. You know, the same people that she was staying away from the same people she didn't have fellowship with, the same people she isolated herself from, she said, I need to go and tell them. And she rushed to town and told these people, and can you imagine how shocked they were, how surprised they were that this woman who was not mixing with them would come and tell them, I found the Messiah. I found the source of life. And they were puzzled because they knew this woman. This woman, we, we, we have been with her for all this time. So they followed her because that was strange. That was not in the natural you know, expectation of, of, of how this woman would actually uh, you know, speak or behave. And so they followed her. And when they came to Jesus, Jesus was able to share with them the same source of abundant life. And at the end of this day, they turned to the woman and says, woman, now we don't believe just because you said it. Now we believe it because we have experienced it in our own lives. Isn't that powerful? At least there were people who were willing takers of what was on offer. Jesus offered 
that abundance. Jesus offered eternal life and there were people who were willing to take it. And every time when, when, when people come to take what God has offered to us, we are, he's actually being honored. We honor him when we are receiving from him. And I think that we must not forget because Jesus loves us beyond description. We cannot imagine how much he does love us. And he wants so much to share his own life with us because he knows what we can be when we are living from that abundance of God. Amen? Amen. Now the choice, of course, is ours. ours. If we choose to reject him, we will have the consequences. Now God has given us a free will because love demands that you have to be free. You know, you can't force anybody to love anyone else. It's not possible. Because if you're forced to love somebody, then that person becomes a, a, a robot, you know, becomes a, a, a puppet. And God has not created us to be puppets. God has created us to be free human beings who can use our, our free will in whichever way we, we decide. But of course, God has given us freedom, but he has also given us advice. He has also told us what is good and what is not good. Okay, he has even given us a boundary and he has told them, told the first people do not cross that boundary and you know this is exactly what every responsible father and mother would do to their children you know we give them freedom to a certain extent but we also give them boundaries we also tell them don't do this because it will have consequences and of course when God gave this boundary when God gave uh, those rules in fact there was only one rule uh, the people eventually broke that rule, as we all know. But you know, freedom comes with the responsibility and the accountability to stand up for what we have done. And that's exactly why God came to them after they had uh, broken the, the very clear rule of God, do not eat from that tree. God came and asked them, did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat from? So God was asking for an accountability. They were responsible. And of course they ran away from their responsibility, they tried to cover up, they tried to push the blame to somebody else, and God said, okay, <clears throat> there's nothing I can do about it, I have to. Their actions was that they were banned from the tree, I mean from the Garden of Eden, and that meant also that they could no longer have access to the tree of life, which they had ignored. Throughout the time they were there, they never ate from that tree. But they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that's why today we know evil. That's why today we have got uh, all of the misunderstandings in our world, all of the wars, all of the dying that is happening, because it has consequences. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil is still with us. But Adam and Eve, had to face the consequences that they could no longer access the tree of life. Thank God. God is a loving father. And even so, he banned the people from the garden. He still gave them a coverage, you know, of an innocent uh, lamb that had to be slaughtered so that they could be covered and their sin could be uh, covered before God. Thank God he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, the innocent lamb of God that came to carry away the sin of the world and once again become available to every human being on the earth, you know, that we can be able to access the tree of life, access the accurate source of abundance in our life and once again live from that source of abundance. So God tells us again and again that he invites us to come to him and receive what he is offering to us. It's our choice. We can do it or we can reject it. 
It's up to us. But one day, we have to give an account. You remember I was uh, speaking about that uh, story about the landowner who had uh, quite a big uh, piece of land and then when he had uh, uh, an important journey to undertake, he gave his land to his servants. And he made his servants responsible, responsible and of course accountable to the owner by the time he would come back. And so all of them were working, at least the three of them that were described here, they were going to work, and the two of them doubled what they were given. But one of them didn't think he was very willing to work, so he took what he got, dug a hole, put it in the ground, and forgot about it. When the landowner came back, he was asking all of the three to give an account. Okay, and the two who were, who were using what he has given to them in a good way, in a, in a responsible manner, it had consequences. And the consequences that the master said, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over little, I will put you over much. Amen? And you know, we must understand that as our, our, our work has has you know, consequences. One day, God will ask us what we have done with the, with the abilities and the gifts and the talents that we have received, and even with the opportunity to come and access the source of life, whether we have done it or we have not done it. So the second servant came back and he also doubled what he was given, even so it was uh, not even half, but again, the answer was, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over little, I'll put you over much. And then the third one came, and he says, I know you are a, you're a, you're a hard man, you know, you want to reap where you have not sown, so you can have your thing back, it's okay, I don't need it. So, you know, this man rejected the good thing that the master had given to him, and you know, there are so many people today who are rejecting the good things that God had, has given to them. God has given us life. God has given us opportunities. Every single day opportunities are arising. And God wants us to utilize those opportunities. And when we utilize those opportunities, we actually will see that what God has given to us will multiply. Because God's gifts are not stagnant. God's, God's gifts are not dead things. You know, some of the things that we get as, as gifts, I remember when, when I was a child, you know, sometimes you get plastic toys. Huh? And um, then, of course, you become very aggressive with your, with your siblings, and you pull about this plastic toy, and then it breaks. And then you try to talk, talk to the toy and say, hey, can you come to life again? And it won't, okay? It's broken. That is not happening with the gifts of God. The gifts of God have life within them, okay? And so we are responsible for these gifts. You know, whatever God gives us has the ability to multiply. But we have to be responsible for it. And if we are irresponsible like that last lazy and wicked servant as the master called him, then we have actually hindered the gifts of God to multiply. We have actually hindered God from blessing us. And that's a, a, that's a, a, a sad story that we see it repeating itself over and over again in our world that people reject what God <clears throat> has freely given to every human being on the face of the earth. And that will have consequences. And so as a result, the one talent that he received was taken away from him and was given to the man who had already 10. And God said, enter into abundance. So God has abundance for every single one of us. That's amazing, okay? God doesn't want us to live in poverty. Poverty is not of God. 
Okay? Poverty in body, soul, and spirit is not of God, it's of the devil. Okay? It must be said, because that's what, it, what the Bible tells us. So we should not have a poverty mentality. We should not expect that everything that we do fails. But we should expect that what God has given to us, when we put it to work, it will multiply. Okay? This should be the consequences. But if we are not using what God has given to us, then obviously what he has given to us was now in vain. And God will take it back from us and give it to somebody who has proven to be faithful with what we had. So the choice that we have, God will not take it away from us, but he will ask us for account accountability. He will, you know, uh, apply the consequences that he has clearly spelled out even in the first place. So God restored to us, the people he loves, the tree of life in Jesus Christ. Okay, the one who was the alpha and the one who is the omega, that's the Greek alphabet. Omega is the, the last <coughs> letter in the Greek alphabet. Today we would say in our, our, our alphabet is the A and the, C, the Z, okay? Like Zambia, only the other way around, okay? So God is the beginning and he's the end. He's the author and he's the finisher. And he has a desire that we find him the source of all life and access as much as we possibly can. And he will not be uh, annoyed when we access what he has offered us, but he will be honored. Okay, because we are not stealing from God. You know, I think this is one thing that we must learn. When we come to God in our prayer, we must not come as beggars. Okay, because we are not beggars. Okay, you know, a beggar has no rights to receive anything from the one he's begging from. He's just trying to, to you know, cause some, uh, some feelings in the, in, the, in the person that he he or she begs from and, and you know, maybe somebody will give an alm or some, some kind of a, of a coin or gift. When we come to God, we must not come to make a, him feel uh, pity over us because we come as the children of the Most High God. Amen? And when we come to him and, 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 and ask of him, we come to him and they ask in evil ways. And that's why they don't get but if we come to our Father, if we come to our Savior, and we ask what he has promised to us, that's not wicked, that's not evil, but that is honoring him. Amen? And, you know, God enjoys to give. It's just like when you are invited for a, for a wedding feast, and you come, would the owner say, I've invited you, but now I've changed my mind, so get out. No, when you are invited, you are invited and you are, you are welcome to enter. And actually, the owner of the wedding will be happy to receive you and uh, seat you on the table and have you partake of all of the blessings that are there. So we must understand that God is waiting for us. And for some of us, he has been waiting for too long and we have not come. We're trying to touch all over and we're trying to get things from all over the place, but we are not coming to where it matters. We're not coming to our Father in heaven. And you know, we must learn to come to our Father, not as beggars, but as sons of the Most High. Because this is who we are. We are sons of the living God. And just like when your children come to you and they ask you, I'm hungry, okay. Uh, you, you will not tell them I'm not going to give you anything today. No, even if maybe they come out of uh, the meal times, you will still give them if, if you see that there is a justification for that. Okay? If they're hungry, you will feed them. We know that babies are even much more uh, 
privileged because whenever they make any noise, mom immediately uh, takes them and feeds them, isn't it? When we are growing up, then maybe we have to wait for the mealtime, okay? But nevertheless, we are still being given because God has prepared for us abundance. He is the source of all abundance. Like I've been reading in the beginning in the book of Colossians, you know, the Bible says, for it pleased the Father that in him, that is in Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether the things on earth, the things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So the fullness that is dwelling in Christ is not there for for him to hold to himself. Actually, he has come to share of his abundance time and time again. You know, isn't that powerful? He loves us. He cares for us. He has got abundance waiting for us. So Jesus is our source. And he wants to make us a source again. Okay, so once you are receiving, you're not just receiving and then it disappears, but actually whatever you receive will be able to be multiplied in your heart and it will become a source of blessings in so many different ways. And that really is wonderful. Okay? Like Jesus said to this woman on the well, but whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what he says, in other words, is that you're not only receiving, but actually you become a giver. Okay, not only receiving and you're satisfied because your thirst is being stilled, but actually you are able to still the thirst of others. And Jesus himself said this again in the book of John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. Let me just read that and I've read it in the beginning. And he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Okay, are you thirsty? Are you having longings, deep longings in your heart that nobody could feel or fulfill? You know, Jesus says, come to me and drink. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And of course, that is the wonderful thing. All that you need to do is just believe. You don't have to pay for it. It's just a free gift of God. Only you need to believe that, yes, Jesus is the source. Jesus is the one who wants to multiply his gifts and his uh, blessings upon our lives. And then it says, and anyone who believes in me and may come and drink for the scripture declare. Okay, so Jesus is actually going back to the Old Testament scriptures that have said his time and again. <clears throat> Rivers of living water will flow from your hearts. Okay, rivers or streams of living water will be flowing forth from you. And this is true. Because, you know, we are living stones. We are the temple of the living God. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, we find that there was a stream flowing from the temple and then became a wider river. And I'm just going to, to talk about it in a moment. But you know, uh, the water always flows from the source. Okay? And the source is God himself. You know, the presence of God was in the temple of God. You know, there was a holy and a most holy place. And, and the most holy place was where God was able to be engaged. <clears throat> okay, he didn't squeeze himself into that place, but he was able to be engaged in the most holy place. And he let his abundant life flow from there. And when we go to the book of Revelation again, we find that there will be no more temple in the, in the new Jerusalem, but now it flows from his throne. It still flows from God. Everything, you know, every abundance comes from God himself. And thank God, <clears throat> we, we learn 
that God has sent his son so that we have life and have it in abundance. Okay? All fullness of God is available for us as we have read in the book of Colossians. Let me read the book of uh, Revelation 22 verse 13. The scripture I've already pointed to and it says here, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. Okay? I was the tree of life in the garden of, of, of Eden in the book of uh, Genesis and I'm the last, are still the tree of life that you find in the book of Revelation chapter 22. Okay? I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Once again, you know, we have that powerful example, that powerful promise that God has prepared himself that we come and we receive from him. Just like there was a tree of life in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden because God wanted Adam and Eve to come and access the fullness of his life. Unfortunately, they did not. And because of that, so many people today, they do not. Okay? They live in the darkness of this world. They don't recognize the light of God. But those who come, you know, God will honor them. God will give them. God will make them overflow. And we should thank him for all that he is doing in our lives. So Jesus is our source. And he came into this world for that very reason that, you know, what was no more accessible because of sin in the Garden of Eden, he makes himself accessible again. He makes it possible for us to come through uh, once again. And you know, he did this now, not just for uh, the people of Israel who were uh, trusting God through faith, the phase of Abraham starting with him and Isaac and Jacob and eventually the, nation, the, the, the tribes of Israel. But that was now that God desired to be there for everyone. Okay, according to the promise that he had given to Abraham, that in you all the nations of the world, all the tongues will be, will be blessed. Because Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. Amen? So imagine, God is preparing source for each and every one. God is preparing a tree of life. God is preparing a source for each and every one of us to come access it and be blessed by it. Why should we reject it? Why should we be lazy about it? Why should we not do the best we can in order to access that which God has given to us? Every one of us should be able to, you know, test him or herself and say, am I accessing that tree of life sufficiently? Am I honoring God by coming to him and, and, and receiving from him what he has offered? Let us not be like Adam and Eve who never came to access from the tree of life. Let us not be like many uh, Today, like even that servant who, who even got what their master gave him but never utilized it. Let us need not be such people. Let us be able to access from the tree of life. From the source of abundance that God has prepared for all of us. Because God will be honored when we do that. Then we are truly children of the living God. So I think we need to widen our horizon so that we understand the abundance that God has for us. And, and that's what I want to read to you now. This is the scripture that I have put on the bulletin from the book of Ezekiel chapter 47. You know, Ezekiel was a prophet, a very interesting prophet, by the way. You know, most of the things that Ezekiel was able to give to us. He got it in visions. He got it in, in, in an amazing, you know, uh, impressive kind of language that God had shown him. 
And when he had a vision, he was not just seeing things, but he was actually experiencing it. Okay, for instance, uh, when we read that vision about the river that he is, uh, he is seeing, he's actually not just seeing a river, he's actually stepping into the river. And he says, it was ankle deep, it was knee deep, it was waist deep, it was actually too deep for me to walk through. Okay, so he is seeing things in, a, in an amazing way and God used him in that way. So in the book of Ezekiel chapter 47 verse one, and, and you know, you must understand at that particular time, Ezekiel is not at home. He's not living in Jerusalem. He's not living in his homeland. He is in exile in Babylon. Okay, and uh, the Babylonian kept these people in bondage for, for years and years and years. And then God comes to him and speaks to him about things that seem to be too good to be true. But of course, when God speaks, he means what he says. Okay, then he talks about something that is beyond even their experience because you know, Jerusalem is one of the few cities, uh, capital cities in the world that has no river. Because normally, capital cities, they are near, near rivers, okay? So we have got uh, some rivers here, Junga River, Chongwe River, Kafue River, a little bit further. Because you know, for living, water is required. You can't live in a place which is desert, which is dry. So a river is important. But interestingly, Jerusalem doesn't have a river, okay? And so they had to have an elaborate system of water supply, which is a different story, but it's interesting. Okay, so uh, Ezekiel chapter 47 verse one, here we hear Ezekiel reporting his vision. In my vision, the man, okay, that man, we don't know whether he was an angel or he was Christ himself. That, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gate and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the eastern gateway. Okay, so a river began to spring up from within the temple, from within the presence of God. And it started flowing outside of the temple. Okay, and so Ezekiel was taken by that man who was guiding him and was able to inspect uh, the waters that flow, were flowing there. And then he says, there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway, measuring as he went. That was the man who was measuring as he went. He took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. Okay, 1,700 feet or some translations say 1,000 cubits. These are, you know, measurements that we don't understand very well. In our measurement, it was about 500 meter, half a kilometer. Okay, more or less. So he took me along the stream for 500 meters and then led me across. Okay, the water was up to my ankles. So in other words, Ezekiel was not just seeing, he was walking into it. That's amazing, isn't it? Verse four, he measured off another 500 meter and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. And another 500 meter, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,700 feet or 500 meter and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Now, what does God want to tell us with this? Of course, you know, we could actually read further and uh, see how that water was flowing into uh, dry land, into desert land, into uh, lakes that were not fruitful and made everything fruitful. Of course, we know that rivers usually, when they begin 
their life cycle, they start small. Those of you who have ever been to Minelunga, you have seen and seen the, the Zambezi River start, it starts very small. Along the way, it becomes bigger and bigger. But why does it become bigger? Because it got other distributaries, you know, other rivers that flow into that river, and so it becomes bigger and bigger. But this tree is not having any other rivers flow into it. This is purely coming from the throne of God, okay? Purely coming from the presence of God. And we must understand that whatever comes from the presence of God has the capacity to increase beyond our imagination. So we must recognize that God is letting his river flow and this river is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, now we can be taking this in a natural sense, and in a natural sense, you know, we see that in Jerusalem, of course, there are very deep valleys, the Aqaba, you know, the, the Dead Sea and so on. And, you know, there is only the Jordan River a little bit further, but otherwise there are no rivers, okay? Much of the land is very dry. But God speaks about a river. And, you know, the, the, the academics are having the question, is this spiritually meant or is it also physically meant? You know, some people are talking about the rebuilding of the temple because the temple was destroyed, Jerusalem was, was destroyed at that particular time. And yet, you know, we, we see that God talks something beyond a natural temple. He talks about the temple that are, is built by putting living stones together, just like we read it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, we read, as you come to him, the living stone. So Jesus is called the living stone. He's also called the cornerstone. He's also called the capstone. That means the cornerstone is the big As you come to him, the living stone, the source of abundance of all life, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Okay, so you and me, we are now looking like Jesus himself, who is the living stone, so we also become living stones. Praise God. And we are being built into the temple of the living gods. Okay, Jesus said, when you believe in me, as scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within you. And that means we are the temple of the living gods. Okay, so streams of water flow from within us. So when we look at Ezekiel's vision, he talked about something that far, was far beyond. It was not in the natural sense, it was in the spiritual sense that one day there would be a temple that is not built with bricks and stones, but it is built of human beings, of people who love him, of people who follow him. And this is what Jesus says here through the word of Peter. He says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be holy, a holy priesthood, offering, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For scripture says, see I lay a stone in Zion, chosen and precious, corners, a precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the cupstone. So you can reject it, but it will not make a difference. It will still fulfill its purpose, okay? So rejecting the stone, the living stone, which is Christ, will not change anything on his destiny. It will only change us being cut off from the source of abundant life. And then he says, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Praise God. One day, 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received, amen, the source of abundant life, and that is Christ Jesus. So Christ is waiting for us. As he was waiting for Adam and Eve in the very beginning at, uh, in the Garden of Eden, he's waiting for us too. He is expecting us to come and take up his invitation. Come to me, all you who are thirsty and laden. I'll give you rest. Time and time again, God reminds us about that he is the source. And so we need to widen our horizon for the many wonderful things that we see being revealed to us in scripture for that very purpose that we are not missing out on what God made available for us. So it's a continuous and an abundant life flow that originates from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the source. Okay, and we, we see it again and again. Jesus made many powerful statements in scripture. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the vine. Okay, you are the branches. Okay, we know that a branch cannot live on its own. It needs to be connected to the vine. And if it doesn't be, get the supply from the vine, then the branch will dry up and, and, and will be thrown in the fire. But Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. I'm the bread of life. I'm able to feed you. Okay? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So all these are descriptions of the very fact that Jesus is the tree of life. That Jesus is the one who has said he is, who wants to give us abundance. Okay? I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. Okay? God is a loving God. And we need to take him by his, by his word. He's the rock that travels with us every day. You know, there was a rock in the company of the people of Israel. They were going through the desert. And uh, one time God said to Moses, you know, strike the rock. And Moses struck the rock and water was gushing forth. And, and a million people plus, maybe two million people, were able to drink from that source of living water. Okay. Then they continued traveling from one place to another. Every time that the, the cloud of God lifted, they were lifting up, preparing themselves for, for another journey. And when finally the cloud settled, then they also settled down. And then again they were thirsty. And God said to, to Moses, speak to the rock. So the rock was also with them. Okay, and the rock was Christ. The Bible tells that to us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the rock was Christ. Now, the first time when Jesus was telling uh, Moses to strike the rock, it was a depiction of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, who had given his life for all of us. And we must understand that all these things that God has been saying, you know, God is not living at uh, one particular time like us, but God lives in the past, in the, in the present, as well as in the future. God is timeless. Okay? And that's why he was able to see everything that was happening from the beginning to the end. Okay, so he said to Moses, okay, now speak to the rock. That rock that was struck some time ago, now you can actually speak to that rock. Of course, Moses was annoyed with the people, and so he, he took the, the stuff and he hit the rock again. And of course, water came out, but he was not supposed to strike him. He was, or strike him. He was supposed to speak to the rock. And you know, this is what we should do. The rock is Christ. We must speak to the rock. You know, whatever need you have, whatever challenges you face, let the rock know. Let Jesus know. He is the rock of ages, and he is willing to be the source of abundance for each and every one of our life. So we need to learn to live from that abundance. Okay? Psalm chapter 1 tells us that he is the river 
you know, that flows and that feeds all the trees that are on the side of the river and they are able to bear fruit in their season. And so God gives to us according to the riches of the abundance of that river of life. You know, we are living in a time when uh, climate change has brought a lot of uh, inequalities. There's in some places, the, the, the rivers have dried up and, and people are really in danger. You know, people have got uh, uh, no solid water source. In other places, there are floods at the same time. But as far as God is concerned, he is giving us a steady flow of the river of life. Okay? We need to trust him. You know, we need to trust him even for our economy and for our uh, climate because only God can, can be able to help us in this situation. Unfortunately, people are discussing all kinds of different things, but they're never including God. God is waiting to say, I'm, I'm here to help. But people are not sitting down and saying, God, we pray that may this climate havoc that is happening in our world today, that it will be healed. But we are creating more problems in the, in the process. But that's, let me put this aside. What, what I want to, to understand is that Jesus is the source of all life. Amen? He is the source of all life. No matter what you're going through, the Bible tells us that he was made for us wisdom, he has made for us righteousness, that he is our salvation, that he is our justification. He is a never-ending stream of blessings and abundance. Praise God. We cannot become righteous on our own strengths, but Jesus was made to be our righteousness. And that was discovered by people who lived a long, long time ago, like Job, for instance. You know, Job was going through a very, very hard passage in his life. And maybe you are as well. You know, we, we, we have these kind of experiences. But let me read to you what Job was saying. In the midst of pain, in the midst of disease, in the midst of people who were not understanding what he was going through, he said, oh, that my words, this is Job 19, verse 23, oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll. He, little did he know that actually God was recording, okay? Because otherwise he would not read it. Oh, that my words were recorded and they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead engraved in a rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Praise God. You know, this was a man who lived a long, long time ago, Job. And who had a clear understanding about Christ the rock of ages, the tree of life. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. One day I will see him face to face. Isn't that powerful? And no matter what you are going through right now, let this be your confession. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that he is the source of my life. And it's the source of the abundance that God desires to give to us. Give to me, give to you. Amen? So God is saying, sisters, let us take heed. Let us understand what God is saying to us today. God says, live from the source of abundance. Because God made it available. And God will be honored if we take part of that abundance. Praise God. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for hearing your word loud and clear. Lord, that you have prepared for us this wonderful source of life in Christ. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are honored when we come and we receive what you have promised to us. Lord, we thank you so much for the abundance that is in your house. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that today we can take part of the table of the Lord. And as we do, Lord, we remember, yes, you are our source. You are our tree of life. You are the one who has promised to give us life in abundance. So, Lord, we give you praise and we honor you. And Lord, we want to experience that that which we have heard today will become a reality in our very lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.